All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, a place where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the like are encouraged to join in live events just like this, share and inspire to create better art and tattoos together every day. So you may be beaming in from YouTube or Facebook, or you might be listening to this podcast, but you can always get the latest event information right here in the community. So if you go to community.reinventingthetattoo.com or in your Apple or Google Play stores, you can find the event um, reruns, on-demand reruns, uh, courses, all sorts of stuff right here in the Reinventing the Tattoo community. Our goal isn't to keep you addicted to your phone, but to easily access inspiration and awesome conversations, perfect to put on in the background. You are currently watching Tent Talk with Robert Shaw and special guest Jay Brown, the Northwest Tattoo Museum. Um, also events like these on-demand reruns, they can be found, like I said, in our library with tons of, tons of tattoo and art rabbit holes. This show, art jams, drawing groups, interviews, panels, webinars. Seriously, we are beaming out three to seven awesome shows every single week. Um, before we get started, I do wanna highlight one of our community members that has been active in our, in our community. We have Seth Mushrush as he goes. Um, some of his work can be seen here. And we wanna um, give a shout out to Seth for joining our community and showing off some of his awesome work that he has. Uh, beyond that, we have regular weekly events, just kind of like this, but happening every single week. On Sundays, we have Jason Lesser at 1 p.m. Eastern, and he has a reinventing drawing group. All skill levels are welcome to join, um, share something you're working on, a design for the week. Um, if you'd like a critique with other artists, um, Jason's drawing group is perfect for you. Also, we have Jake Neeks from the affiliate Fireside Tattoo Network, who has a morning drawing group every single Monday at 9 a.m. And those are pretty cool to watch. Like I said, all skills are welcome. Also, we have Fawn Baker and Jordan Rookus with a tattoo collecting podcast every single Thursday at noon. This week will be pretty awesome. They have a very special guest, Russ Abbott from Ink and Dagger Tattoo in Atlanta, Georgia. He's also pretty uh, well known for Tattoo Smart. Again, we have a lot of these um, awesome shows available. Thank you to our sponsors. And I'd like to highlight those guys for bringing all of this content to you for free. We have Raw Pigments. And these guys are tapping into the source. If you haven't heard of them, you may not know of them. They're based in Hacienda, California. Acrylic free colors, tapping into the source. Inks that won't dry out and are consistent viscosity. We also have new D-Lies Pro. And if you haven't heard of them, they're known internationally as Dermalize Pro. Thank you to those guys for being on board, as well as Inkjet Stencils, uh, saving tattooers time and ultimately money on creating these awesome high resolution tap, uh, stencils. Other than that, I appreciate everybody kind of listening on to my little rant and I'm excited to talk to Rob and Jay. They are here with us and I'm gonna hand it over to Raw and, uh, Robert now to um, introduce. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, I'm glad everybody joined and tuned. And like you said, I appreciate everybody doing all the sponsorships and stuff like that. That's what makes it all possible. But yeah, I'd like to introduce Jay Brown, a good friend. Uh, he has the Tattoo Museum, Northwest Tattoo Museum. It's a spectacular tattoo museum with a large arrangement of tattoo machines, flash. Uh, so um, I'm going to go ahead and let Jay introduce himself. So go ahead, Jay, introduce yourself, buddy. And uh, let's show the people what you got and talk some tattoos sure. and Check out some cool stuff, brother. Right Cheers. On. Uh, 
well, how to introduce myself. I'm Jay Brown. Uh, I've been tattooing for 35 years this April now. Uh, I'm one of the adopted sons of R.J. Rosini, uh, of the Rosini Gypsy Tour uh, 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 fame, I guess, as it were, were uh, Sturgis being the big one. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been in the trade for, for some time, done a lot of conventions over the years and uh, uh, quite a bit of traveling. And in all those travels over the years, I've I collected a bit of this and a little bit of that and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, whether it be business cards or flash or, or whatever. And then over about a 20 year time span, um, it started stacking up in boxes. And so I said, uh, I got to do something with this. And so uh, 11 years ago uh, in uh, my studio down in Moscow, Idaho, uh, which is where the University of Idaho is. Um, I started the Northwest Tattoo Museum out um, mainly just in our own, in our you know waiting area, the the, the lobby, uh, and then kind of down the hallway to the tattoo uh, uh, rooms. Yeah. And then uh, 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 later, within uh, the next couple of years, we moved uh, up here to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, um, and uh, kind of settled here. It's, um, horrible place, but you know it's. Uh, home <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> anyways I, I have to play it down a little bit because you know we are up in, in north idaho and the, the mountains <laughs> and all that so uh anyway so we moved up here and i uh um, opened a, a place here that was um formerly uh a blue rose tattoo and uh, we moved the museum from the the moscow shop there and it was a tiny little place uh 475 square feet i mean i had stuff on the ceilings, yeah. you know, every inch. I mean, you couldn't put your pinky in between, uh, <laughs> in between the frames that are on the wall. And I had <laughs> running out of archive space and all that. Well, as a stroke of uh, good luck and kind of bad luck, uh, the landlord there wanted to double the rent, and I was just like, no way, kick rocks, I'm not doing it. And so uh, we found a new place and I didn't know how, how long it was going to take, but we found a bigger place. Now we're in 1600 square feet. And so I kind of had the opportunity to give the museum it's, it's proper and due. And when I, when I opened the museum, the one thing I wanted to do was um, the ultimate dream was to have a tattoo shop inside of the museum. So uh, as opposed to it just being the lobby of the of the, uh, the tattoo studio or whatever, the tattoo shop here is actually inside of the museum. I've actually kind of sectioned yeah, off yeah, an area yeah, yeah. for three artists, and it's uh, completely enclosed. And we have a, a great big uh, uh, flash wall behind all the artists. There's uh, hundred hundred sheets and well over a thousand designs. I stopped counting at a thousand, but I, I figured it gives that old school uh, you know feel to it. So. I've joked often about it being a working exhibit, but uh, <laughs> the, the, this happening here, you know, getting this this final location, which was last year, and we got it right when COVID hit, um, yeah, which was yeah. kind, of a, kind of a blessing in the sense that it actually gave me the opportunity to um, put the place together the way I wanted to. You know, I had two months that I could lay everything out, and get everything uh, bundled together, because at the old place, everything was kind of, there was, there was no rhyme or reason to stuff. There was, uh, uh, you know, I had something that was Philadelphia Eddie over here and Philadelphia Eddie over there and up here, and, you know, and then, you know, just 
different people were all spread around in different places. And so when I got here, I was actually able to uh, put everything together, uh, group it into, you know, groupings. All my Burt Grimm stuff is all, you know, together with Burt Grimm. And, and as I, it adds, you know, I can expand it and, and, and all that because I have you know, plenty of space now. And uh, the other thing that was really cool that I got to do was I was able to put narratives to everything. Oh, and so um, while if somebody comes in and we're tattooing um, and they don't have an opportunity to get a tour, which usually if I'm not, if I'm not doing anything, I'm out there you're running my mouth and tearing the rear off, telling them yeah. about that, and that, the other thing, and, you know, uh, uh, just com completely spinning them around, you know. Uh, but, but when I'm tattooing, I can't, I can't do that. So uh, the person in the chair gets lucky enough, but uh, uh, you know, everybody else basically uh, has, uh, uh, you know, they have to uh, uh, kind of mull their way through. Well having narratives you know the space to put narratives in now people can do a self-tour of the place which is pretty nice um and especially now in the summertime when we have uh, you know, tourists in town um, they can walk in we're all jamming on a saturday and they can walk their way through the through the whole museum and it takes about you know i i, I did it once and just looked at every picture and everything and you could spend an hour just self-touring uh, so which is pretty cool but um it was the it was the one thing that I, I i you know like i said the culmination of the dreams it's taken taken 11 years to get here but or you know 10 years to get here but uh uh you know it's uh, uh that's been worth every bit of it uh, oh yeah you got some amazing stuff too amazing yeah. i well, noticed I think, when, oh, excuse me. i noticed when you were doing the remodel uh jay that uh I noticed your daughter was making a section. So you got another generation coming into yes. the shop. Yes. Right? She's, yes. She's tattooing okay. now. Um, she just finished her. She did a, an old school two year apprenticeship. And nice. uh, um, I taught her everything. Um, she knows how to cut acetate stencils, which a lot of tattooers yeah. that have been tattooing <laughs> for decades don't know how to yeah. do. Um, she learned how to make pigments. Um, she learned how to build needles. Um, she still builds her own needles, uh, you know, oh, now in these pigments that we mix, um, you know, and she chooses to do that, which is kind of cool because right. I do it because it's just, I've been doing it for so long. I right. mean, what do you yes. do? You, and, 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 and I, I don't know, I still think I build the best needles. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. bottom line. So, uh, you know, so and then but uh, she, I, I, I mean I taught her how to do everything wine coils how to how to braise a machine together cut springs you know so she she did it all uh, painted flash yeah she got the old school uh, apprenticeship and uh, she just finished uh, just uh, just recently and uh, we haven't done the um, I haven't laid the plaque on her yet but uh, <laughs> um, I did get her I did get her a Jack Rudy single coil machine for a uh, for her graduation present. Uh, nice. Which nice. is pretty cool because they're nice machines. They run yeah, well. I actually got one. I got one. Do you? They're nice, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, Jack I, tattooed me. I, I, so I bought that one of those machines for, because um, Jack had just recently done a, um, he just did a, uh, uh, I had him do a, um, a real nice uh, flyer. Uh, yeah. T-shirt design mm -hmm. uh, sign deal for me. And, uh, and then I have a bunch of his older flash and I've got a couple of, um, I've got a couple of his, uh, 
prints, you know, limited, you know, limited number of prints and whatnot. So I was kind of putting, and then I have a whole bunch of his national uh, posters and, uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, the t-shirt designs. And when they did the signature catcher thing, right. Um, yeah. I have a bunch of those on display. So I have a whole area for it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get one of these machines. And, uh, you know, cause I've always said when it's time for me to, to, to lighten up machine, I'll, I'll build myself a single coil machine. And all that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get this thing for the display. Yeah. And I went, all right, well, you can't just get the, you know, the low end one. So I went all out, spent the 500 bucks and oh, got wow. the, got the gold plated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I get it out of the box and I said, okay, I can't, you know, every machine that I have in the collection that runs, which is pretty much every machine in the collection, uh, <laughs> save, a, save a few. Um, uh, it's, uh, um, you know, uh, I got to run them. So yeah. uh, I ran them. Uh, I ran them and, uh, 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 you know, it, it just wound up being a really, really, really nice, uh, nice running machine. So I've yet to put it on display. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so long story short, um, I, I, I had everybody try it, you know, just for, you know, shits and giggles. And so uh, my daughter tried it. She liked it so much. She wound up, uh, she wound up stealing it from me constantly. So that's why she got one for her graduation. Present, so. so anyways, uh, Robert McNeil just came in. So uh, um, nice. Yeah. I, gonna introduce oh there you go yeah there's the machine right there yeah 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 awesome uh, uh, yeah there's there's mine <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful you know the thing i i i i you know i figured the the way the box is set up on this thing uh you know the the, the fact that it's got that yeah. window in there i yeah. figured i put the machine in the window and then put yep. that on the wall but yeah, absolutely I'm having a hard time now because, uh, uh, you know, I like it so much. So, um, the one thing that I did do, and I, maybe it was a forethought is I, I bought it out of my own pocket and didn't buy it with museum money. So, nah. yeah. <laughs> so if I wind up keeping it, then, you know, <laughs> but, no, it'll go on display. Maybe I'll wind up buying myself one of the lower end ones. So. Yeah. Right. Right. It'll get in there eventually. So anyways, uh, Robert McNeil just walked in and, okay, uh, awesome. I want to, uh, let's see if we can get this adjusted a little bit. So Hello. That, uh, so How are you, can, sir? I'm well, thanks. Hey, and uh, Robert works here with us um, at the museum and is also a very, uh, very, uh, uh, well, I'd say he's damn near a grandmaster tattooer is a good way to put it. But he's, uh, oh, yeah. He's, he's seen a lot of, a lot of years and a lot of uh, uh, things uh, uh, in, in the years. And he's, uh, was one of those people who was uh, blessed to work in the San Francisco scene um, back in the, what was that? In the 78 70s. to 2000. Yeah. So uh, I, I imagine I've, I've heard some cool, interesting picture machine stories and, and Goldfield stories over, over, <laughs> over time. But, yeah. uh, um, and then uh, Robert also does the, um, uh, he does Tabori tattooing and oh. is pretty well versed in the the myths and legends that are, are that go behind all that and uh uh phenomenal at the artwork i mean just incredible uh, oh amazing amazing yes. and and so um you know i figured it'd be great to have him uh, on with this because he can talk about uh, uh even beyond just tattoo history that you know i've got a stack of stuff to show um he can go deeper into that 
Absolutely. history and something that I think a lot of tattooers might not think about all the time is that, you know, uh, that, that form of tattooing. And Robert does uh, uh, Tabori tattooing himself. So it's kind of a, a treat to have that. That amazing moment. amazing that's yeah. that's that's beautiful man that's yeah. when did you take up that style of tattooing did you start that originally in the beginning or did you take that mid-career or uh it, it was later okay uh, i i tried to do it many times in the past but i couldn't find anyone willing to do it you know they were scared <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. there's a persistent myth that it hurts it looks you know really gothic and painful but it it hurts actually less than machine tattooing and heals fast. Yeah, I agree. Well, I've only have a small one, so <laughs> yeah. I don't really know. And I probably healed it wrong, so it might not have healed. You're I don't alive, remember. you're fine. That's right. <laughs> it's just, what does it's it been, it's been so long. It was at uh, uh, a tattoo tour somewhere in 1994, wherever the hell that was. Uh, and they had the 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 Japanese tattooers that were there and I think I can't remember if it was Horiyoshi or um, yeah who was there and they had well his whole entourage all his other tattooers all his apprentices they worked in shifts and they worked 24 hours a day it was just amazing I remember stumbling to the room one night looking down you know down the because uh, uh, it was one of those uh, uh, what do they call them uh, uh, garden hotels or terrarium hotels where the the rooms wrap around the floor and I remember watching them just going you know this is 3 34 o'clock in the morning and yeah. they're just going you know and there's people waiting still you know and it's just this is amazing uh, uh, that whole that whole form of art you know as opposed to uh, your average tattoo artist is going to call, call it quits after about 10 hours <laughs> and then and then maybe limp in the next day maybe call them sick I don't know we used to pull 14 hour shifts in Sturgis, so, you know, yeah. 11 days straight, so it can be done. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yep, definitely. High protein diet. High protein diet. I drink, uh, uh, when I was in Sturgis there towards the end, I would get Ensure. Yeah. Uh, uh, ensure the old, the, the old people drink, so I knew I would get, was getting enough uh, 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 nutrition, <laughs> enough uh, vitamins and minerals and whatnot to offset the, uh, all the other crap that the well you just don't get to eat right and then of course you know beer is cheaper than water we used to call budweiser we, we call budweiser sturgis water because it was cheaper to buy a bottle of budweiser than it was to buy a bottle, bottle of water so insane insane <laughs> robert with the with the japanese style tattooing and stuff yeah. like that when you first started tattooing i'm sure you started off with the american traditional tattooing um yeah. When did you go into the Japanese? What sparked your interest in that? What made you just think, well, I, I'm probably, I can guess, but I'd like to hear it from yourself. What made you gravitate towards the Japanese style tattooing? It was actually a movie. Okay. Uh, came out, I think it was 1972. It was with Robert Mitchum called The Yakuza. Hmm. And it wasn't a movie so much, which was just kind of a crime drama sort of thing. But at the beginning of the movie, there, there was some beautifully photographed shots of, of real Japanese backpiece tattoos. And it just knocked me out. Yeah. I, I saw that and I, I, I knew I had to do that. Mm -hmm. I'd just never seen anything as, as beautiful as that. And, and that, I swallowed the hook deep. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Rob, I'm telling you, I wasn't that familiar with uh, some of your art, but when Jay, when Jay sent me some of those paintings of the Japanese work you did, blow it away. I couldn't, dude, I'm telling you, I almost couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy shit, dude. I mean, on fire, just spot on, on fire. I mean, is a master. Oh, for sure. Anybody that does not or is not familiar with Rob McNeil, I would definitely say look into the art and you're going to be amazed. You're going to be really amazed. It's I, I really appreciate it, Rob. And I'm glad you came on the show with uh, Jay. I really do appreciate you stopping in and talking to us and sharing some of the stories with us. Oh, you're very kind. Thank you. I twisted his arm. You thought it was a sick? Yeah. That's all right, though. <laughs> that's all right. We got the bullshit a little bit to get the to get the ball rolling so you know that's the yeah that's the fun part of it i've been working on a series of paintings for a, a new sushi restaurant that's opening here in town it's six uh, large scroll style paintings that look like sumi ink oh oh yeah kind of, kind of thing and they're each seven feet long and four feet high anyway i was slaving away on those and Thought I had time to spare. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you absolutely good. did. He came in the right right time. Yeah, I just wasn't great. prepared for the you know presenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. but you know we do it again. So yeah, what was one of your memorable experiences from one of them shops? One of my memorable experiences. Yeah. Positive or negative? <laughs> Either or both. One of each. One of each. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. My best pass-out story is a woman passed out and defecated. <laughs> was, where was that at? That was in this shop right here. Oh, it was ago. 20 years ago. This place <laughs> used to be a tattoo shop 20 years ago. So, And yeah. actually, when I moved to Coeur d'Alene and moved the museum up here, it was Robert's uh, old shop that I kind of took over the the location and everything and we kept it going and it made it what 19 years as a yeah as a shop yeah. so it was a tattoo nice. shop for 19 years in one form or another so that was Very pretty cool. neat yeah. a tragic story uh, this, this was back in san francisco uh, <coughs> a young man he was just turned 18 he'd been saving for years to buy a motorcycle he came in and he got his first tattoo. It was a Harley Davidson tattoo on his arm, and he left. And the next day, his parents came to the shop and told me that after he left, he uh, he exited the freeway and pulled out into traffic and was run over by a lumber truck and killed. Yeah. Same day. Yeah. And that's uh, that's a memory that won't go away. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's definitely the tragedy. Right. Let's see. Another memorable one. This was a picture machine. I tattooed five Navy SEALs who all got identical tattoos. Oh, yeah. Skeleton of a frog just above their knee on the right thigh. They were all members of the same team. And it was a really cool experience because they came in and they didn't want anyone else in the shop. So they bought the whole shift. Oh, wow. And uh, brought in their cooler, and, and we drank whiskey and beer. <laughs> talked, talked until, oh gosh, almost 3 a.m. Uh, 
I'm a Vietnam vet. Okay, and, yes. And we talked about my experiences there and their experiences and different conflicts. Really cool bunch of guys. Yeah, so the camaraderie was built that day as well. They got them a yeah. tattoo and built camaraderie and everything. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. I really like that. That's one of the best parts about tattooing, I think. Yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. I love it. You know. I love it. Yeah, I really do enjoy it. Meeting, uh, meeting people and making connections, for sure. Yeah. I've always especially enjoyed tattooing service people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have good stories, and we have a lot in common. <laughs> and they always have really interesting reasons for the stuff they get. Well, I should say the more experienced operators, you know, the, the rookies at a boot camp want the traditional stuff, you know, the Eagle Globe and Anchor and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, uh, my grandfather was in the Navy. He never got one tattoo. And, uh, but he said some of the best men that ever he ever served with were, uh, uh, or that served under him because he was an officer, uh, were tattooed from head to toe. <laughs> something to that you know he yep. said some of the best the, some of the best chief petty officers and and all that were knuckles to the neck you know and, uh, and all said, in yeah yeah but he said i never i never got one i just never never did it so that was, that was kind of interesting what was the first tattoo you ever saw that you remember that made an impression mine Biological father had a tattoo on his arm that was a Milton's Ice dragon. And it was from, he got it in Korea and or somewhere over there and uh, had it done. And that's kind of the, the one thing that's kind of struck first, I think, was that image, that dragon. And, uh, and actually after he died, we took pictures of him because his tattoo is so faded to try to figure out exactly what that image was. And I mean, I put it out there to all kinds of people, you know, through the tattoo community and whatnot. And one day I was digging through um, some flash and I found it on, I think it's the one, the, the Jones attributed Zeiss set. And, uh, and there it was. And uh, I mean, down to the, down to the T's. Um, and so, uh, uh, my stepbrother uh, has it, and then my uh, my younger, my little brother has it, um, but I've yet to get it. So <laughs> that's cool. My day will come. It's just neither of them can tattoo it on me. So it's something else for my something else for my daughter to do, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was the first image was my was my biological father, and then after that, I think it was you know heavy metal music, you know all those guys. Ozzy Osbourne, you know, people like oh, that, yeah. uh, you know, in the 80s. And then, and then, you know, that was shortly after, after that whole thing, I just wound up, uh, you know, I went, you know, head first into it. And then ever since, <laughs> I've done some other stuff here and there. Back in the, back in the day when you couldn't get into, just get into a tattoo shop. <laughs> if you thought about opening one up, you'd get burned down or beat up or, or you know whatever, uh, yeah. Bad things would uh, before, yeah. Hands broke, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know the first one I ever saw was uh, back then we called them hobos, a homeless guy. 
he had a Milton's Ice Hula Girl on his forearm, and he, he showed it to him and made her dance. <laughs> I was hypnotized by that. That was uh, 1962 in Sandpoint, Idaho. Huh? He, he used to sleep in the doorway of the Penida Theater. Oh, no shit. Yeah. I had a paper route, and I picked up my papers there in the morning. So I saw him every morning. Yeah, I brought him some old biscuits left over from dinner one night. In exchange, he showed me his tattoo. <laughs> Make her dance. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you made her dance, all right. Yeah. That was the yeah. first one I ever saw. Yeah. We did that piece on Bree's arm. My daughter has a has a, a another Zeiss piece uh, that's a snake through the skull one. And it's and it's uh I think the snake's going down the arm. And then it's got the skull there, uh, you know, and the snake's pointing towards her arm, crooking her elbow. And so she's like, I have always wanted one of those tattoos that moves or does something like that. So what she wound up doing was uh, um, she put, <laughs> we put a mouse right on the crook there. And so then when she straightened her arm out, the mouse would run away from the snake. And then if she ran crook, then the snake was up on the up on the mouse. <laughs> Couldn't figure out anything else to do. You know, she probably would have done the the legs and the armpit thing, but you know I'm just not doing that. You know how Brie is, anyways. My daughter's a little out there, but you know, she's a hell of an artist. So God what, bless her. Yep, yep. A little out there. You spare for sure spared her some hurt oh what yeah yeah if she would have been a if she'd have been a boy she definitely would have got it a lot harder than she did as far as apprenticeship is concerned so uh, i tell her that all the time a reminder you know, if you would have been a boy and that had been it they got your ass kicked all kinds of <laughs> times you know, the old clean the bathroom and then go in there and piss all over the seat and come back <laughs> out and say you didn't clean the bathroom <laughs> almost <Yeah. laughs> Well, that one teaches him that, you know, a customer, I, I always thought that was a horrible thing to do to an apprentice, right? But then it teaches you that at any time, one of your customers could walk in and piss all over the seat. And you yeah. Know, you yeah. Any the, and you got to stay on top of it. You do. You got to yeah. stay on top of it. I went yeah, into my, yeah. just yesterday, I went into the bathroom. It wasn't pissed, but I looked up and there's a fucking business card of another tattoo shop on my, on my mirror. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? One of your yeah. one of the people came in and yeah. did that, thought they were being cute. Uh, came That's, in funny. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, that kind of sounds old school, though, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah it is. Kind of you know, yeah, it's kind of like that. Stealthy. Yeah, yeah. It is. Very <laughs> stealthy. That's what I thought. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Right. Yeah, you couldn't just come in and introduce yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, it's better than putting a sticker up there. Yeah, yeah. And then you got to get the razor blade out, and then the next thing you know, I mean, that, that's that's them's fighting words right there. <laughs> Have you ever had anyone sticker your car? Uh, a competitor put their bumper sticker on your car? No, I've <laughs> I've never had that done. But uh, but I've done. This one is uh, was kind of bad, and it was it was back in the nineties, and uh, <laughs> and I had uh, there were two shops in town. There was a, a one shop up uh, north of town. This guy Steve, when he and I were friends, we got along. And then, uh, and then there was my place, and I was right up on. This was in Columbia, Missouri, uh, and uh, my shop was right up on the university, right there at the, at the main gates. And so, um, 
I used to have a lot of fun back then. And uh, one night we were out, there was this, uh, uh, this venue called the Blue Note and the Blue Note had uh, music and, and uh, you know, they had a bar and all that, but it was, it was, the, it was the big venue uh, there in Columbia. And so one night I was all tuned up after the show and we went back to the tattoo shop and I, we were drinking some more and, you know, just having a good time. And I, I had a stack of flyers sitting there and I, was sitting there with this mischievous thing rolling around in my head and I started <laughs> taping flyers back to back. And so I got a whole pile of them done. And so I went down and this is, you know, four o'clock in the morning. And I, uh, the, I had it, there was a shop that had a tattoo spot in it. And for some reason, the guy who tattooed there, we chose each other as our, you know, arch enemies. When in fact, we would actually meet at the bar every now and then have a drink together. And, <laughs> but uh, that night I kind of was like, okay, you know, I'm going to fuck with these guys and give them a little taste of uh, old school. <laughs> and so I, they had big windows, big uh, uh, windows in the front. And so I taped my flyers all across the front of their, of their shop facing both ways so that when they came in in the morning, <laughs> they would know who did it. And I did it on a Saturday night and I think they were closed Sundays and Mondays. So it, it wound up being there for a couple of days, but yeah, I heard a ration of shit for that and you know, it was over, but it was the nineties. So you know, they weren't going to do anything, but uh, you know, but that's no, no stickering cars or none of that. Never had any. And that was, he could, they could take, they were able to take it down real easy. You know, I didn't, wasn't like vandalism really <laughs> it was just mischievous fun <laughs> which is always a good time oh yeah that's not throwing Molotov cocktails but you know <laughs> yeah, no, we do have if you guys can hear me we do have guy watching in the chat and he asked were there any soldiers getting tattooed back in the vietnam days oh okay that's a question from guy yep guys guys asking he's curious Okay. Well, there was a lot of tattooing going on during the Vietnam era, I'm sure. In fact, I think Sailor Jerry was still active then. I think you know, so. All through the 60s. And, and Vietnam was officially over in 72. I don't know anything about the stateside scene because I wasn't really interested in the states. Uh, I think Phil Sparrow was working in Oakland in those years. The guy who, who first brought Ed Hardy into the scene. Well, when uh, Pat Martin could have been there in that time period too? Uh, yeah, but that was San Francisco. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, they never got a lot of servicemen. Yeah. yeah. Probably because they were so far from the, from the port. Yeah, everybody down in the, um, what would it be, Alameda? Yeah. Well, yeah, was, so that was Oakland got a lot of business that way. Uh, Broadway, Columbus, most sailors, servicemen never got further than that. That's where all the strip clubs were. And over, over there in Vietnam, I mean, I don't know if you served over there or not, um, but in Vietnam, were there actually people over there in Vietnam tattooing in the trenches? Know how, like, some of the places did did bring equipment and tattoo overseas and stuff like that. Was there a lot of that in Vietnam or no? Because I don't really hear a, a much of that. You know, I was there in 1969. I didn't see any of it. 
Right, right. I didn't hear much about it. I, I, I didn't see any of it. Was there anybody on the uh, uh, tattooing on the ships on the way over? Because I know sailors maybe, did that sometimes. Maybe, but I was in the Marine Corps. And, right. You know, we were, they flew us over there, stuck us oh, in the okay. jungle, and then you know, they sailed over by back. ship. I guess I'm thinking World War II in Korea when I'm thinking yeah, everybody no, getting no, no, no. <laughs> when I'm thinking no. ships going across the right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a different yeah. different trip. Yeah. Um guy replies he said he's curious since often there are military tattoos in wartime, but so many soldiers in that conflict were there against their will. Which is a yeah, definitely a good that's point. Very true. Yeah, yeah. An awful lot of them got tattooed after the fact. I've tattooed countless yeah. Vietnam veterans. You know, I started in '78, and I'm still tattooing Vietnam veterans today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To this day, yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of memorial tattoos. Yes. A lot of memorial. What I've noticed. A lot more memorial stuff. Yeah. But I think we'll tattoo. Vets for the rest of our days tattooing. I hope so. Much. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tradition that goes back to, well, gosh, yeah. to the Revolutionary War. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they were even before that on the ships. Yeah. Coming over from England, poking it in one, yeah. one dot at a time. Yeah. Hell, plucking, uh, they used to call it. Plucking, yeah. 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 The Nautical Star is still a famous tattoo, still popular. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but not, they're not getting them because they did the, the trip, though. <laughs> Most of the people are getting nautical stars and, and uh, uh, the, um, you know, the, the swallows and things like that. Yeah. I, I think nowadays they're getting them more for um, the aesthetic values and whatnot, and, yeah. uh, as opposed to, as to uh, I earned this, you know, yeah. the, the propellers on the butt or the uh, pig and chicken on the foot or you know, <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah. Although I do see, I see people in the military getting traditional military tradition tattoos. Uh, yeah, kind of makes it kind of goes in cycles. Seems like a lot of army guys get tattoos. Yeah, a lot of army people. A lot of army people in Chicago when I was there. Uh, Joe, uh, when I, I worked at J Dragon, and uh, Joe used to give them 20% off. When a taxi driver came up with someone from the military or army base, any of that, 20% off and $10 to the taxi driver instantly. Yeah. That's how it cool. went down. That's a print. $10 instantly. Yeah. That's the way to keep them coming too. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So if some people in the shop didn't want to didn't want to do it, but the people in the shop that wanted to do it, like I was one of them. So as soon as they came there, I would instantly give the dude ten dollars and say, "Come with me," because I knew they were getting tattooed. If they came there by a taxi and got dropped off, they were paying. They were paying. So I'm like, "Yeah, I got you. Come on, man. I'll work with you." So yeah, I worked with them. I loved. It. I enjoyed it. Making sure I don't back into something. I got something. I got some frames, frames behind me and stuff, and I don't want to back into them. I tend to not think and go <laughs> into stuff. I had a, uh, I've got this Burt Grimm gravestone rubbing up in the front, and it was at the old location, and uh, uh, it's got his gravestone rubbing, and uh, uh, Wes Grimm uh, had given me uh, uh, one of his old checks which was kind of a weird you know it's just a weird piece of ephemera to have and then i've got some photographs in it and uh, and whatnot and uh and it uh i can't remember if i bumped it or bumped the wall or something and it fell flat off the wall flat on the floor and i was just like 
oh no, oh my God, this is the end of the world and all that. And, uh, uh, and luckily, uh, when I pulled the backing of the frame off and everything, everything was fine and I was able to, to pull it away, but the glass was just shattered everywhere. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm keeping an eye <laughs> back there so I don't, so I don't roll off into something. And then uh, 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 you guys have to, well, I don't know how you delete out all the uh, expletives that would, uh, <laughs> that would ensue after that. There'll probably be a lot of that going on after the fact. So. What year did you start tattooing, uh, Rob? 1978. 1978. Holy shit. I was just yeah. a little bitty boy. Back when they were still using hammers and chisels. Yeah. <laughs> and shackles. Shackles. Hold <laughs> them down. Yeah. And, and I'm taking it you still tattoo today. You still oh, tattoo. Yeah. Wow, amazing. What yeah. about the eyes? How's the eyes doing you? You see the glasses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. noticed it about, I'd say about eight years ago. I was, uh, I, I thought I had perfect vision. And until I seen my buddy wearing some old ugly-ass glasses. And I'm like, what the hell are you wearing those for, dude? He's like, for tattooing. And I was like, for tattooing? And then I put them on and looked at my arm and I was like, holy shit, I didn't realize it. And then I was like, oh, wow, I need glasses. So yeah, uh, I always like to ask tattoo artists with glasses, uh, um, how, how hard is it? Is it really hard for you now or not so much with glasses? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think it's difficult because yeah. I've been using them for a long time. It's since the COVID thing, trying to tattoo with a mask on your face yeah. and glasses yeah. is difficult because your glasses fog up. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. very tough. I wear readers myself to tattoo now. Yeah, that's what I do. Me yeah, too. It's just, uh, you know, and actually, it's well, it's made me a little more anal about my tattooing, but it's also uh, 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 it's I can see the needles again. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what did it. I I was like I didn't accept it at first. I was like I'm. It's getting blurry, but I, I, can still, I can still see the, you know, the, the stencil and everything. And then it started getting a little extra blurry. And I went, um, yeah, it's about time. It's about yeah, time yeah. For, for reading glasses and all that. And I really need just regular glasses, but I just, I, every time I mean to, something happens every time I mean to. So I just got to make it happen, you know, because yeah. I'm not, I'll wear them. And like, I can't do contact lenses. There's no way in hell I can't, you know. I, I can't yeah, just go and get that crap in my eyes no way uh i can't even get eye drops in <laughs> you know uh i scratched my cornea i've done it a couple of times and had to go to the hospital which you know you do that it's scary because your eye your vision goes completely blurry oh, yeah. and they put these numbing drops in because it hurts like hell and uh the doctor couldn't get him in my eye. <laughs> so he just puddled them up in the corner of my eyeball and made me open my eye and got in there. But, you know, so I couldn't even imagine all, all these people wear contact lenses. I have to. That's hard. That's yeah. really hard. Rob, I would say um, when you tattoo, Rob, what percentage of uh, Japanese tattoo work do people come in? Do they ask for primarily Japanese style work from you because uh, it's so beautiful, that stuff that you do? Or is it pretty much everyday people come in and want everyday tattoos from you? Uh, well, for the last eight years, I've only been doing appointments and it's almost always Japanese. Okay, that's what, yeah. Uh, yeah, so prior to that, I did whatever came in the door. Right. And, right. and maybe one person in 20 wanted Japanese. 
And I'm guessing you still tattoo with coils, correct? Actually, I switched to rotaries a couple of years ago. Okay, okay. Uh, for the weight. They're, for the they're weight? Much, they're much lighter. Yeah, yeah. You know. I believe Guy says the same thing for hand. It's, uh, it's a lot easier on his tan after tattooing for so many years. It just it beats your hands up. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of what a lot of the old school tattooers are actually saying about the pens and some of the rotary machines. What type well, of machine now, do you use? I use Bishop. Okay. Yeah, nice. Super nice. What about you, Jay? Uh, I, I'm a holder. I still use coils. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually tattoo with uh, the the fourth um, reincarnation of my first tattoo machine, which was a Spalding and Rogers uh, lightweight uh, machine. Nice. The only thing that's original on it is the frame and a you know with a chopped off tube vice, and then it. Uh, uh, well, the first thing I did was uh, when I got it, I I got my hands on some Dennis Dwyer coils and I swipped out the uh, the Spalding with the the Dwyer coils, and then uh, you know I changed springs up and then um, ran that for a long time, and then the tube vice broke, and so I lopped that off. And the old man gave me um, this aluminum one that apparently uh, Joe Kaplan had given him, oh, and so nice. I put that little aluminum fixture on the bottom of it and then ran it for a while like that and then uh, uh, I think an inside wire broke on one of the coils so I wound up putting a, another set of coils on it and I ran it for a while with that and um, I don't know if the coils crapped out or something capacitor crapped out and I said screw it I'm going to put a whole new set of coils on it so um, and then uh, and the last two sets of coils are on it are ones that, that I wound so um, and it's got different binders on it now of course um, oh cool I don't even think that I think the armature bar is in a box somewhere, so I don't even uh, I don't even use that anymore. And uh, and then I have another liner that I built uh, from square and flat stock that I use. Uh, uh, both of these are dual coils. Um, and then we were talking about the Jack Rudy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I have that, you know. And I and since I got that boy, I really like that single coil thing. Um, so I'm getting towards the lighter weight, and then. Uh, uh, yeah, shader wise, yeah. I use a, a, a Jim Rosal shader because uh, mm -hmm. he just makes he makes great machines. Amazing, yeah. I've got a Mike Pike uh, machine that I use for uh, my gray work. That's uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I got so many machines, it's not even funny. But those are yeah. those are my main, you know, uh, go tos. Go -tos. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't I haven't stepped over to the dark side yet with the rubbery. Yeah, no shit. What do you think, Rob, Very about well. uh? Some some uh, memorable tattoo artists that you've worked with in the past. Oh, Henry Goldfield's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, that's a big hitter right there. Yeah, he's... The, the the poster right here where my finger is on is go from Goldfields. <laughs> okay. Right okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's just a total prince of a guy. I love him to death. And, uh, Amazing technician and uh, a sound designer. Did he build machines as well? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Cam Cook did. He bit. he didn't have a machine shop set up at, at his studio <laughs> when I was there. But, right. You know, we made a lot of needles and ink, but mm -hmm. <laughs> but but he could certainly dial a machine in like nobody's business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bill Salmon's another. Oh, you worked with Bill? Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> he, he was just a really good friend. Nice. nice. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, 
you know, Pat Martinick guy. Yeah, that must have been amazing. Yeah. You've told a couple of good stories about that whole experience. Yeah. I can't remember what, what the last what one about was. What about Milton Zeiss? Did you ever get, did you ever meet Milton? Me, no. Yeah. He pretty much after after the later years, he came to Illinois and pretty much stayed. He quit moving around after that when he got a little older. I enjoyed his uh, correspondence course. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, I got a copy of it from uh, C.W. Eldridge at Tattoo Archive. Oh, yeah. That's back, nice. back when he was in Berkeley. Nice, nice. And uh, some really good stuff in there. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. To this day, very good stuff. You're yeah, right. I, I think every tattooer should, should read that I material. I agree. I had Bree read it in her apprenticeship. I actually had her because I've got the copies uh, that Chuck does. If you that. have the if you have the full book in the back of the book after the lessons are done, it came with uh, I think ten sheets of lettering. Did uh did you get to see the lettering on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. Holy shit! When I seen that, it blew my mind. I might even have that around here somewhere close. But have you tested many of those designs? Um, so, some of his tattoo designs I've tattooed, but none of the letterings. Some, but man, I would really like to because they're just so beautiful. Yeah. I've tattooed a lot of his stuff. I'm from Rockford, Illinois, and I own Milton Zeiss's original tattoo tent that he tattooed out of in the early, like, 40s, 50s. And oh, wow. I, yeah, I own a lot of his, I mean, a lot of his stuff, a lot of, a lot of machines, pigments, and uh, just and a vast arrangement. I'm born and raised in Rockford, Illinois. So Milton Zeiss is one of the, well, for the world, but for, for us in Rockford, it's like, it don't get much bigger or better than that. Oh, yeah. not, for, was... not for the, for the, for, for me, it don't anyway. Cause like I said, I'm born and raised here in Rockford. So it really touches home. And I've been in the tattoo industry my whole life. I'm second generation of tattoo artists like my dad, my uncle, they, my uncle tattooed before me and stuff like that. So I've always been around it since I was a little bitty, little bitty kid. So I've always liked it, but I never really got deep into it until I was, you know, in my twenties and thirties. But yeah, I really, really liked it. It tends to take over your life after a while. It. You're done. Yeah. Well, it consumed it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, in 1995. I, uh, the old man said, uh, uh, "You never, you never get your above the neckline or below the, you know, below the wrist line done." And uh, I was uh, uh, wanted to be. Yeah, Rob's, got, Rob's looking at his hands. She's got nothing yeah. on. Him. Uh, but uh, you know, the bug got me uh, to the point where um, I jumped over the old man's uh, head and went straight to Philadelphia Eddie and said, "I want to commit to this. Uh, you know, uh, and I want to get my hands and my my neck done." And Eddie goes, fuck them, get it done. <laughs> You're going to be in this forever. <laughs> get it done. And, you know, here we are years and years later, and I'm still still doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of, I mean, not, not old school, old school, old school, but pretty old school. I don't, I'm not going to do no face tattoos or nothing like that. Um, I don't know. It's, I guess it goes back to what I was taught. And what I was taught was, when you start tattooing your face and you start doing all that draws a negative attention right. to public officials in town and stuff like that. And in some cities and towns, when they see that, it's the shock and awe makes them want to make a political 
voting non-registered, you know, just crazy shit. So I just don't want to put a lot of negative impact in people when they start blacking out their eyeballs and all that oh, yeah, crazy, that's crazy shit. Yeah, so it was cool when Jack Dracula did it. <laughs> you know? There's a couple, hey, there's a couple that can do it and get away with it. But when right. people see that shit, it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, can you imagine? Can you imagine in Coney Island in the in the forties and fifties, like you know Jack Dracula with his, you know, oh. his eyes all done in and all that? I mean, shock talk about off. talk about shock. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Today it's a little bit shocking, but back then, I mean, people it probably oh. floored people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And children really would cry crazy. and run away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> children <laughs> would cry and run away. Nightmares. Yeah. And now it seems like everybody's got their faces done and all that. Yeah. So I had to stop at a certain point, you know. Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. one on each side of my neck and my hands, and you know, and then I stopped there. Uh, you know, basically, I don't know. That's what I asked Eddie. You know, if I, what I could do, and that's basically where he left it. And that was the papal blessing. So yeah, right. Exactly. As far as I, <laughs> as far as I went with that. So yeah. Yeah, fun stuff. Super cool. But you're piled up. You got Zeiss stuff all around you there. Oh, I, I got so much you're, Zeiss stuff. I got Zeiss books, catalogs. I got like two and three. Yeah, your neck, your waist deep in it. I mean, literally, looks like your waist deep in it. I really, I made, really am. I made I really sure not am. to. I made sure not to pull anything Zeiss out to, if, you know, if I was going to show any stuff from the museum because. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to step on your toes there. Oh, I don't know. Actually, mind. I can't even, I can't even just looking behind you. I don't think I could even scratch the surface. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know what it is, man, but, uh, I think it was just a tattoo. God just threw the shit at me because right. I got so much stuff, so much rarity. I mean, just when I show it to people, some of the stuff I show them, they're like, I, I didn't even know that still existed because some of the stuff I got, it's just like, it's just weird. I mean, it's just weird how I even, even obtained it because right. like one month I just, I just was going on eBay and just one month, every day I went on there, it was something super fucking rare. I mean, just rare, rare, rare as fuck. And I'd buy it. And then after, uh, after I bought up, I mean, a lot of stuff, man. I got to where I was like, yeah, I'm going to slow down on buying stuff. And now, now for the last two years, I've been looking on eBay and I still look every day. Right. Nothing, nothing. Yeah, I ain't yeah. seen nothing in two years. Yeah. So it was stuff. crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's, it seems like everything's private sale now. You yeah. Know, yeah. As far as, uh, uh, as far as the collectibles go, either that or they're way too, you know, they're just way too expensive yeah, you know, yeah especially really the ebay thing i don't know i try to look every night you know not as i used to do the everyday thing and now i don't because yeah i peek uh, yeah I, uh, i'm addicted to it i peek i go to vintage yeah. machines look at yeah. there yeah the, the, that's the hardest one is tattoo machines because you gotta yeah. flip through a million pieces Absolutely. of crap you know speaking of tattoo machines you got any cool tattoo machines or anything you want to show tonight jay yeah, I got. I brought a few out. Um, uh, one that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, we we're talking about Zeiss and uh, uh, one of the other uh, uh, big. Uh, oh, excuse me here. Uh, uh, you know, Zeiss was one of the, uh, as you know, one of the, you know, one of the biggest tattoo suppliers uh, in the world yeah. at one point in time. And uh, uh, so uh, another guy who's pretty much in the same boat was uh, was well, Percy Waters, of course. Mm -hmm. And so um, I pulled out a nice um, 
nice if you can see it there. Uh, Waters oh, yeah. uh, uh, pre-patent Waters. Uh, it's a 1920s uh, uh, no-name machine, um, and uh, I actually picked this one up from uh, from Aaron Bloomquist, who uh, oh, got nice. it from from Jerry Rigger, uh, who wound up actually getting it originally from Greg May. And I don't know if you, you can see it. My camera probably sucks, but right there you can see the the Percy Waters. Oh yeah. See how, oh, yeah. Shiny, see how shiny that is there? Yeah. Oh and yeah. This is something that really makes this piece unique is the fact that um, I couldn't figure out what it was. And then I know uh, I can tell you it, well, it was somebody sanded the plating off of it yep. and the nickel plating stayed inside the, the, yep. the, uh, the stamp there. So I thought that was just a really great uh, uh, piece there. That's and, beautiful. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my favorites, and uh, and it runs. I've tattooed with it, so it's kind of a yeah. New, kind of actually, a that's pretty there. cool. Yeah. Aaron Bloomquist actually is uh, from Rockford as well. He's an eight one five recipient. He? Yeah, right here is on eight one five. Yeah, um, oh, actually, really? Aaron Bloomquist. Uh, I mean, I'm not great friends with him, but I'm pretty good friends with him. And uh, Aaron Bloomquist is actually making the machine coils for me and Guy Atkinson's machine. A guy actually oh, yeah. created a tattoo machine and right. everything that we're building from it is all from the 815 because it's the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo tattoo machine created right. by Guy Atkinson. So everything that we're getting built, we're having built right out of the 815. And in my opinion, Aaron Bloomquist is probably one of the best machine builders oh, yeah, around. So I, I, I asked Aaron. And he, he built me the coils for our machines. I'm actually going to go pick up 50 of them from him tonight or tomorrow. So, yeah, pretty oh, right cool, on. man. Yeah, yeah cool. all my machines have uh, – Aaron's the one who does the cores for all the machines that I build. And I, yeah. You know, I wrap my own coils, but uh, yeah, uh, he, he, I'll only use his cores because they're, yeah. they're the best, you know, and he uses, you know, pure iron. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's just an all-around stronger coil. And I've, I've used a lot of different cores over the years. Uh but uh, yeah, Aaron's is uh, uh, the best uh, uh, by far. Um, agree. But it's agree. got that machine's got some neat prominence to it. Um, one of the things when I was, um, you know, uh, uh, looking uh, uh, into uh, 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 stuff for for you know talking tonight in history, um, I, I kind of dig finding old uh, newspaper articles and stuff like that on different uh, on different folks. And uh, there's this one article. Um, that is from 1916, the Aniston Star, and uh, uh, it's May 17th of 1916. And um, Percy Waters, uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people know, you know, he's from Aniston, Alabama. And in uh, 1917, he left Aniston and moved to Detroit. And uh, Waters was uh, uh, worked at the, there was a union uh, uh, foundry there in Aniston. So he was actually uh, worked at there as a foundry molder. And uh, I think that's where he got his, uh, his uh, machine uh, casting abilities and all that. Um, and so he spent um, uh, 20 some odd years in Detroit uh, before he moved back to Aniston. Um, the rumor was, and I think I got this one from Chuck, Eldridge uh, uh, was that he got run out of town for tattooing the wrong um, the wrong person's daughter. So who knows who that was? And that's the rumored deal. Well, um, when I'm when I'm researching stuff, a lot of times I, I go through and uh, uh, use newspapers uh, as as a source. And in this May uh, 
May 7, 1916 uh, newspaper article, um, which this is kind of a copy of it. I don't, I don't know. It's probably all backwards. But uh, down, at, down at one point, uh, could you see it? Oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's probably backwards. But anyways, oh, down in no. here, there's a there's a, a, a section in the in the in the announcements and it uh, and it reads uh, uh, the title is alleged tiger and it says Percy Waters was arrested about noon Saturday on the charge of violating the probation law or prohibition laws I'm sorry the police claimed that Waters had two uh, pint flasks and one half pint of whiskey in his possession when he was arrested he'll be placed on uh, trial before Judge Crean uh, on Monday. So Percy Waters, and this is the, the, the snippet of the um, uh, article, was kind of a bootlegger in, in a sense. And that was something that uh, uh, a lot of people uh, uh, probably didn't know about him. Um, I found a couple other things that were, um, he would make trips back and forth to Anniston from Detroit. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, at one point in time, um, he was in a, a, a car accident and uh, that was around Toledo, Ohio, and he actually made it through that one, but I couldn't find any other uh, information about it. But I, um, uh, I, let's see, I found a deal here. When I was looking uh, for more information on that, um, I found a, a newspaper article that actually went into the fact that uh, in Anniston, um, <laughs> wife uh, had her car stolen <laughs> from her. <laughs> and that was the only thing that I could really find was about the guy who had been arrested for that. Um, but I thought it was kind of some interesting information. But um, I found another source that actually puts uh, Percy Waters um, uh, selling um liquor in uh, 1909 so um uh and that was just uh, from another article that i found that was more uh, recent but uh i always just thought that was when i found that it's like you know one of the guys who's one of the cornerstones of of tattooing as it is today and tattoo machines as they are uh the least coil type machines uh, uh today um you know, by patenting them and just his, his uh, supply company lasting for so long was a bootlegger. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess, uh, uh, you know, a lot of tattoo artists have, have sorted pasts, as it were. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, yeah, kind of an interesting deal there. Um, Nothing really changes, does it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all have, a lot have sorted pasts and all that. Uh, another machine that I brought out that I thought was kind of a neat one that's of, uh, of some note is this... Uh, this is a, uh, uh, it's a 50s uh, Jensen special. And uh, one of the tattoo artists, uh, Wet Dreams, I'm sure I've had a lot That's of people, tattooers come in here and say, oh my God, I've always wanted one of those machines. So I, I figured, yeah, it does. I was really lucky to get this one. It's got an ink stain wow. on the uh, uh, right in here. There's oh, that okay. ink stain on it. And that's the only flaw in the whole and the Man, whole machine, yeah. Uh, and the guy got it from, has the match to it and it has no flaws whatsoever. Uh -huh. So it was a kind of a neat one. I just, when I was grabbing machines out of the case, I went, boy, this would be a neat one to show as far as uh, as tattoo machines go. That's beautiful. It, it really is. I mean, I've, my whole career, I, I've always wanted a, a, a Jensen tattoo machine. Yeah, you got um, you a nice one there. That shine is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Something that I, I, I got out and these two these two items kind of uh, hinge into each other, but um, I was uh, uh, lucky enough to get my hands on um, some of uh, Amon Dietzel's 
traveling book uh, pages uh, uh, from the circus days, which were between 1910 and 1918. And uh, 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 there was a really good uh, couple of books that were written about uh, Dietzel uh, uh, called These Old Blue Arms. There's a volume one and volume two. Uh, John Ryder or Reader, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but really good books on him. And uh, uh, But uh, I was able to get a hold of these um, old traveling book pages and from that time period. And uh, hopefully the glare's not too bad. No, but, uh, that's nice. These are actually um, photo album uh, pages. So they came out of a photo album. They, you know, so th what, what he did is, is did his paintings and put them in the photo album. And then, uh, you know, I had a book basically. And I don't know if we can see, I don't know how close you can see up here. Yeah, yes, but um, up here, if you look right up here, you'll see that there's a cent sign in there. Yep, and then yep. later a two got added on that. And so it became $2 and 50 cents. <laughs> and so uh, these, these designs kind of went through the times. And if you look at this one right here, you'll also notice um, that it's uh, at one point in time, it was like $1 and then it got, uh, it got changed up. Um, wow. Which, which I thought was interesting because you know that they always did that. And usually yep, it was yep. like the sticker thing, right? So yep, they yep, put the sticker yep, over yep. top. And uh, this one didn't have any price on it, so it must have been really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the same kind of thing goes on on these back sites uh, as well. You can see. Oh, wow. The, oh, wow. Uh, the prices on them as well. And then I don't know if this one's going to be sideways. And then you got a couple of the old, cool. uh, the old sailor and the, and the gal That's there. Super cool. um, but these, these were, you know, somewhere between 1910 uh, and 1918, so pretty much 100 years old. Um, one of the older, uh, some of the older pieces, and I have a few more of those pages uh, available, you know, are on display here. Um, one of the things that, like I said, hinges into that was uh, um, during his carnival days, uh, Dietzel met a guy named Nick Melroy. And Nick Melroy uh, was also a, a sideshow attraction. He was one of those guys who, uh, um, uh, you know, traveled around the, the circuit, uh, but he also um, worked at uh, foundries and was a molder. And uh, he and uh, Dietzel got together and became lifelong friends. And so uh, when Dietzel was doing his machine, uh, Melroy did them as well. And so what I have here is a 1939 uh, Nick Melroy machine. And uh, the one thing that's like a uh, uh, people who know their tattoo machines uh, know that one of the trademark things with the diesel machine is this uh, uh, contact screw uh, arrangement there with the uh, uh, I don't know if you can see the the spring in there right uh, another thing that uh, they did which I don't know if a lot of people uh, if you can see it there but right there at the end of the screw, they actually drilled that screw out and inserted a spark uh, plug uh, electrode. And uh, that was to keep the, the spark from burning through the front spring wow. or the contact screw faster. And, uh, and you can see his Melroy's uh, uh, signature there on the back. And then it's wow. also stamped on the inside of the frame. But one of the rare ones, it's uh, on, uh, Files uh, uh, 12 classic machine poster. Uh, yeah. But, but mine looks better. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, that's but, a nice one. I don't know how many of these were made. Um, I'm sure they're a lot like the diesel machines where they're, you know, in the low numbers. Yeah, um, yeah. Melroy tattooed for a while. And then when tattooing slowed down, he actually wound up uh, uh, 
being the uh, 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 one of the animal keepers at the Overland Park Zoo. And he did that for uh, years and years and actually did it all the way into his retirement. So I think uh, Melroy's thing was he picked up uh, more of the sideshow aspect of, of tattooing and all that, whereas in uh, uh, Dietzel went more on the path of staying as a tattoo artist. And then when things slowed down, he did his sign painting and, and all the graphic art. Right, right. But, uh, but a rare machine, um, and it's got the uh, uh, the orange uh, hose on there, which uh, Lyle used to lovingly, uh, he told me a story once. He said, uh, you know what that is? And I I said, well, yeah. And he said, yeah, it's, it's, it's douchebag hose and i said yeah okay and he says and this is kind of a crude joke but he said uh he said more of that was used in the 1940s for tattoo machine grips than for its actual purpose <laughs> so, yeah kind of gross but you know True. Um, um the machine itself is uh is is brass cast brass and then it's uh nickel plated yeah um so and the tube actually on the, on the, on the an interesting side of it is a uh, special made for the machine. And you can even tell as the machine sits at a right angle, it kind of kicks down a little yes. bit. That was so that the needle bar would sit straight down and right on the bottom of the tube uh, uh, tip. Well, as I was looking at it, and I do have the actual needle bar that this came with, um, he actually put into his tubes something that I imagine people thought was something newer. He put in a screw uh, end on his actual actual tube tips, wow. which kind of makes me wonder, well, did he machine them or have them machined or was it something else because of how much stuff in tattooing that has been repurposed um, yeah, for other yeah. things. The binding posts that were used for uh, Spalding and Rogers machines and national machines and United machines and all that, those, those uh, six-sided uh, uh, lugs there those are actually computer board standoffs so um you know it just got repurposed um on the old the old binding posts that you see on the old tattoo machines those old deals those were uh, are for uh, radio uh, packs and whatnot so tattoo artists being ingenious i guess uh, kind of uh, adapted things so it always makes me wonder if this this at least the end of it had something to do with something else and then the tube you know of course you can you can uh, 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 thread a tube pretty easily so yeah yeah so it could have been an ink pen from an ink pen who knows because yeah. yeah. uh, i've seen a lot of things adapted so uh, over the years uh, and so that one is that's a mystery because he's not around anymore and, and uh, there's not a whole lot of information on him that I've been able to find. There's no real newspaper articles or anything like that that I've been able to pull up on him. So, um, and uh, so, but kind of hinging together the two. Uh, uh, and like I said, they, uh, the Melroys and the Dietzels became fast friends and remained friends, uh, you know, up until their deaths. So, uh, kind of neat little tattoo story there. They traveled the, 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 the circus circuit together as uh, the tattoo guys and then they built tattoo machines together and then just visited each other over time and just you know lifelong friends so kind of neat how tattooing can do that uh, for people so was he carried a plastic too uh i don't know they might have they fell if you if you if they fell into percy waters uh, uh, footsteps it might very well have they could have had a stick. <laughs> yeah. Except for a a Alabama seems like more of a place to 
to have us build in like Milwaukee and that whole area because that's where diesel and them were. So, <laughs> you know, um, I, I grabbed out and I thought this would be kind of an interesting thing um, since you guys are so close to Chicago and I know I know Guy worked in Chicago and you worked in yeah. Chicago as well. Um, and so as I was digging through some stuff, I found I found this and it's from Chicago Tattoo Supply House. And it's uh, it's a lot of people talk about the the, the kits and the, all that stuff ruining tattooing and how horrible it is and the how-to books and all that other stuff. Well, um, here's another one of those how-to guys right there, and it says, "Here's good news for you. Anyone can now tattoo." <laughs> so yeah. and it was a Chicago tattoo supply house uh, catalog and uh, or mailer. It, it came in the mail, and then it had uh, uh, the deal where it showed all the uh, uh, the different. Uh, you could get the Chicago, um, um, how was it, the Wonder or the Chicago Standard Machine and the clipboard and all that and, nice. and you know, everything you needed for twenty four seventy five, which <laughs> I think we might have been a little steep back then because I think this is from the forties, um, and uh, and then it's got some of the flash that was available, the different ink um, that was available. Uh, you know, he wasn't. Uh, I think one of the deals was you could get the flash for. Uh, a dollar a sheet and then or, or less but if you wanted it colored then it would cost more you know because yeah, they were yeah. hand painting it and then if you wanted uh, uh stencils cut for it then it was even more uh for that and i don't know where it says that it's somewhere in here i don't think probably don't have time for me to hunt around for it but it's interesting a lot of those yeah, guys yeah. did that uh you know you could get it painted uh you know if you didn't want to paint it but you uh uh, didn't necessarily uh, get a pre-colored flash, and as you know, I mean, Zeiss was the first one to do that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, he was doing it. I did a tour yesterday, and I told these people, I said, you know, this. I showed them the the few sheets of color I had, and yeah. I said, he said, Milton Zeiss was the very first one to do this. So, and they were like, oh wow, you know, because they didn't realize that it all came in black and white and was colored. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, itself so so i pulled that out because i figured that's a little bit of chicago uh, yeah very cool history. and uh frisco bill moore who i've heard that nobody knows how he got his nickname frisco bill because i think lyle told me once that he'd never tattooed in san francisco but i couldn't <laughs> that one uh, that you know my memory just there's too much information in there sometimes so uh but also in doing that at the same time i i i pulled out this um this uh, Chicago Tattoo Supply House um, sheet. This is one of those sheets that came in black and white. Oh, the glare yeah, is probably yeah. horrible from it, but I'll kind of get nice. try to get where it's not. Isn't that Gypsy Girl just absolutely? That's beautiful. real nice. Yeah, she's just beautiful. she's just awesome. And then of course Popeye the Sailor there, which was <laughs> pretty wild. I'm always about uh, because my grandfather served in the Navy. I'm always about anything that has anything Navy in it. Of course, there's your little cupy guy right there. Yeah. Um, so uh, when I buy stuff, I look for something Navy. And even though this sheet, uh, the main thing that caught my eye was her um, having Popeye on there, kind of kept it in the line of, of my Navy stuff. So uh, cool. just another little bit of uh, Chicago history uh, that we have here That's at, the, nice. at the museum. Um, I pulled out a couple of, couple other interesting sheets. I always loved this one. It's a Bob Cleveland sheet. And I put it under glass, um, and I don't know. We get we're not getting the glare on that too bad. That's amazing, yeah. Um, and this piece was really interesting because um, you can see the tape around the edges, and it's under glass right now um, because of the method that they had done this. What they did was, uh, or what Bob Cleveland did, is he did the piece on on board and painted it, and then he took a piece of acetate 
and he covered the whole piece with acetate and taped the edges and that way to protect the artwork underneath mm -hmm. and um i had it i had it hanging like that for a long time and then oops, sorry Robert. uh i had it hanging like that for a long time and then i uh, i had that the, the the acetate started to lift away from the uh, actual piece so i was just like oh god you know i gotta put it under glass now so I wound up getting that under my iPod. But uh, I thought that I always thought that was a neat piece, and and of course the the battle royales are always always uh, uh, beautiful images. That would be a fun one to do right across somebody's chest, you know. Uh, uh, eagle across the chest. I have done the, an eagle, but I haven't done it with the snake. And I did do the okay. So on the back cover of uh, tattooing the world over that. Um, that battle royale there i did that across a kid's kneecap and this was last year and i did it eight and a half by 11 the size that it is full size crossed his kneecap now here's the catch on it it was his first tattoo oh wow yeah we did outline in half the shading in one session then did the other half half and then did you know all that Ouch. in the second session yeah, the kid was a trooper. It was his first tattoo. I haven't seen him <laughs> since, so I don't know if he's there or not. You know, that might have been, you know, that might have been the end. I mean, he might have just said, eh, "That's it. I'm done. I'm done with that." I got another old piece here that uh, is pretty neat. Um, that actually is a little more northwest. There was this uh, tattooer named Fred Marquand, and uh, he was a tattoo in um, in uh, Bellingham, Washington. And uh, um, he tattooed for uh, 20 years uh, in the 20s until the 40s. And uh, story goes that he quit tattooing because his wife didn't like um, didn't like the tattoo, didn't like the people, the unsavory people that were around. <laughs> he, he had served uh, in the Navy uh, uh, early on, and uh, uh, so he during World when World War II uh, came along, he re-enlisted into the Navy and I, he served, uh, I believe, into Korea as well. Um, and uh, looking through some old stuff, I, I was privileged to look through a lot of uh, old stuff that was in his collection before it got dispersed. Um, and there were sketchbook pages of tattoo designs that had dates on them like 1953 and things like that. So I have this feeling that he was still tattooing on the on the ships, even though his wife didn't really know and he wasn't running a tattoo shop in the in the uh, 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 you know at home. But that's just kind of me thinking, well, right. what do I do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> tattooing is hard to stop. So it's like, mm -hmm. well, if I do it on the ship, she won't really know. And, and like, what more unsavory people can you hang out with than a bunch of sailors? <laughs> Yes, I don't know. <laughs> so, but anyways, here's a little bit of his stuff. And this is a, I really love this one because it's got a Pharaoh's horse on it. That's just absolutely uh, beautiful. Um, well, everything on this page, I think is just absolutely yeah. gorgeous. And then uh, of course, a, a, a 20s uh, flapper girl there, which kind of helped uh, um, date the sheet besides, you know, just knowing the source and all that. But right, uh, right, I also right. have a bunch of his, uh, stencils and i don't know if you guys can see that or not um but some fun stencils um you know all running between the 20s and 40s one of the ones that when when i was getting this stuff um i helped sell a bunch of it so when i was when i was uh, buying all this stuff uh i asked my wife well what should we get and she said well pick out the most unique one that you can find and so there we go i think you could see it there i wound up getting this uh this uh chasing the dragon uh tattoo 
um, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is probably indicative of that 20s time period, um, which is really wild. Um, you know, unique because you don't see a lot of that that whole yeah. that whole deal in there. But um, it's a little bit of uh, uh, just a little bit of uh, Northwest history there. Um, uh, was the the Marquand piece, and I I just kind of one of the ones I really like. And that that Pharaoh's horses is just you know absolutely beautiful, unfinished, but just a hell of a design. I'd love to love to tattoo that on. I've never done that. Never done the Pharaoh's horses. Yeah, yeah that'd be a fun one, though, wouldn't it? gorgeous um let's see one of the other things i got some business cards out um a couple that are kind of interesting uh, uh one of them here and i'm actually going to pull this one out of the out of the uh out of the frame because it's really doesn't you can't really see the full beauty of this but it's uh from the the liberty family in uh in uh scully square in boston and uh a friend of mine gave me this piece and uh, we were at national and he came by and he goes, he goes here, have this. And, and uh, he set it down on the table and, uh, and I was just like, no way. And he was like, yeah, I ran across a stack of them in my stuff and, and uh, I wanted you to have one. So a real interesting business card and it's for professor Frank Liberty. And uh, I think you can see that. There. Oh yeah. And it's, you can see it's kind of on the shape of a palette. Well, on the back side of the card is actually a palette. So, wow. yeah, I think it might have been a notepad or something else. You know, it had to have been something else that he was doing these on because the actual card itself is a stamp, uh, you know, a stamped card. But, That's uh, cool. Yeah, uh, probably getting close to 100 years old. It's one of my favorites in the collection. I wish there was a way that I could actually show, you know, both sides of it. I suppose I could photocopy it, but I, you know, this is the more important side, but uh uh, really thoughtful, you know, really smart way to, to advertise yourself. Uh, um, Very smart. Yeah, yeah. Is you know, I'm an artist, and here, check this out. Here's, uh, uh, you know, here's something really cool. Um, another card that I had to dig out is, of course, uh, you know, Doc Webb used to always like to put his sayings on the back of his cards, and uh, so I brought out one of one of the Doc Webb cards, and. Uh, I like this one, you know, all of his different sayings. He says uh, on this one, he said, uh, we should realize that our fellow man is a human being with faults and we should not be too critical of him just because he happens to be a dirty, rotten, no good SOB. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the back of that one. And I have a few other Doc Web cards that have different stuff on it, but I always thought that one was kind of funny uh, just because it's, well, you know, funny. He was he was funny. I've, I've got some of his... Um, design sheets that are really, really interesting. Uh, so that was one of the cards that, uh, uh, set of cards that I wanted to pull out. Um, I, uh, let's see what else I got here. Um, this one's fun and this is in a group of different cards and I couldn't ever figure out who this was. And, uh, one of the cards, the one on the bottom is Jack Armstrong, of course, uh, Jack's house of tattooing when he was in Portland. So that was quite, quite old, but this one right here is the one that, uh, uh, that I'm, I'm talking about. And I could never figure out what it was, Doc Hardy and Mojo Manila's Tattoo Hut. And then it has the address and all that. And the phone number is BO3, uh, whatever the heck it is. And I couldn't figure out and couldn't figure it out. And, and I asked around and asked around and asked around. And it turns out that it was Ed Hardy and I can't remember who else it was, came up with these two handles, Doc Hardy and, and Mojo Manila and put out these business cards as kind of a joke. So um, a fun little business card <laughs> collection, you know, because it's one of those things that, like, 
forever I was like, who is this, who is this Doc Hardy? Who is this Mojo Manila? You know, and and then somebody goes, Oh yeah, that's a it's a joke. That was something that that uh, Ed Hardy and uh God, I can't remember who the other guy was that that did it. Uh as soon as we're done doing this, I'll remember, I'll be like, it's so-and-so. But that's the way <laughs> I don't know. It might have been. I don't, that's a hard one. I th- I've got it written down somewhere. Now it's on my brain. I'm gonna uh, it's gonna drive me crazy. Come to you. Yep. Fall asleep. Yep. Right before I go to bed. <laughs> be like, damn, I wish I would have remembered. This one's fun. This is a uh, uh, kind of I don't know if you can see that one because of yeah. the, the glare, but it's a real one of those real iconic eagles. And this is a, a one from Burt Grimm shop in uh, 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 from uh, St. Louis. And I thought that was kind of an interesting. I didn't know how well uh, stencils were going to work. Uh, kind of showing those off or not, um, whether they were going to be worth a worth a damn. Um, so, yeah, I guess that one's a little shiny. Um, what else did I get out? I got a few other deals out. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, here's a here's another interesting uh, set of cards. You know, just from just from different people that uh, um, have kind of come and gone. We've got, uh, 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 of course, Greg Irons. Um, this was Tiger Bob, uh, uh, Masterson. Uh, we've got, uh, 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 Bill Salmon, uh, who was a dead, a big grateful dead fan. That's why it's, it says dead tattoo on it. Um, and then this one here, Iwo Jima, Eddie, uh, sunset strip, just a few, just a few interesting, uh, uh, Erno, uh, a few other, uh, interesting business cards. I'm a big collector of business cards. I really like them. Um, because in my opinion, you know, it's one of the things I, I, I tell tattooers all the time. And you know, there's a few things that are going to kind of outlast you and, and everything else. Uh, magazines, you know, whatever is uh, uh, is flash and business cards, because um, there's enough people out there collecting business cards these days um, that, you know, business cards are not quite that's thrown away as much as say magazines and stuff like that, that uh, wind up getting tattered and torn and, and uh, you know, wind up in boxes and all that. And then of course your flash is going to last and the living proof of that is just about every collector and tattoo museum and all that has the proof of flash is going to stand the, hopefully stand the test of the time. Some of it yeah. waterlogged, but you know, I like that stuff. I think the waterlogged uh, tattered stuff is the best. Yeah, <laughs> I like proof. it too. I like to use stuff too. Yeah. Patina. Um, and then, uh, one more business card. that's really cool. Of course I had to bring one out from, uh, Grimm's, uh, on the pike. And this is, uh, when Lou Lewis, Zeke Owen and, uh, and Bob Shaw were all there. So, uh, oh, nice. wouldn't that have been a hell of a crew to sit down and work with? Oh, I mean, shit. or just sit down and watch for that. Oh, no. I mean, just some real masters. Um, this one, I kind of lucked across and, uh, it's a neat piece. And, uh, uh, what it is, is, uh, it's, uh, one of Earl Brown's early sheets. Um, whether it was number two period, I don't know, but, uh, it's number two in the series and it's got some really, yeah, it's got some really neat Eagles on it. And I thought that's a pretty neat sheet and kind of goes back to the military tattoos. You know, this would definitely would have been a big one with, uh, uh, with servicemen and I'm sure, uh, army you know, the Eagle and the shield and all that. One of my military sheets that doesn't have Navy stuff in it. So I guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not all Navy. I'm just a part of way there, but on the subject of Navy, um, one of the pieces that I have here, and this has kind of got an interesting story. This piece, um, 
came out of Frenchie's shop in Denver and actually um, uh, was in the collection with a lot of the stuff from uh, 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 Emporium and Design. And uh, uh, the guy, Dusty Ulrich, who uh, runs Emporium and Design, uh, was in the need for some money and he was selling some stuff. And uh, I told him, well, anything Navy, yeah, you know, I dig anything Navy. Uh, you know, I like some of the biker stuff too, but I mean, Navy is my big thing. And so he sent me pictures of four sheets, four different sheets, and they were done by this unknown artist, but the sheets are from the thirties. Um, and I'm looking at the sheets and they all have anchors and whatnot on them. And then this one sheet down in the corner, there's this design with a ship and, and uh, all this, and it, and it has a banner and it says USS Idaho. And I went, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and uh, he goes, what do, you, what do you mean? And I was like, you knew I would buy that sheet because it said, and he had not noticed it at all. He had no idea that that was that, uh, that was on there. He didn't look at it that close. And he's like, he's like, holy shit. And I was like, well, I got to buy that one. I have to have it because it's got to come home to Idaho. So here's the, the sheet. And down in the corner there, you can see USS Idaho. And uh, oh, yeah. of course, all my favorite Navy stuff. Um, and then there's a few more ships on there. And if you look at the control towers on them, they're uh, what they're the old style um, uh, towers. And uh, uh, what I did with this sheet that I thought was kind of an interesting thing. And like I said, with having all this extra space in the museum, I can do fun stuff like this. Is I actually went and, uh, ahead and did some research on the Idaho and uh, put the, some photos of the ship in World War II uh, uh, and then pre-World War II. The ship was built in uh, 1917 and then uh, in 1919 it was uh, commissioned, was in the Battle of the Atlantic and then it went over, uh, in, uh, went over to the Pacific and served the rest of its time in, in the Pacific. But it was at Iwo Jima and Okinawa and the Marshall Islands and a few of those other um, big battles during World War II. And then uh at, right after the war in 46 they decommissioned her and unfortunately they uh uh turned her into scrap in 47 but uh she's the fourth or one of the four i'm sorry she's uh, uh number three of the uh um of the uss idaho's the first one was a uh was a steam uh you know paddle wheel ship it was a steamship and it didn't meet the muster for the navy and so uh as far as its speed was concerned and so they added uh, sails, rigged sails to it. And uh, it actually, at its time, wound up being the fastest ship in the fleet. So uh, kind of a wild history about that. The second Idaho was basically a skiff. It was just a, uh, uh, I think it was a 20 something foot, 30 uh, something foot skiff. So it was no, nothing of real consequence, wasn't in service for very long. I don't know how many Idahoans are proud of that one, but. It's part of the history, I guess. <laughs> and the newest one that's actually supposed to be finished this year is a uh, is a submarine, and uh, oh wow, carrying the name of Idaho. But I really thought that this one was really cool because it came home to Idaho for one, and then uh, secondly, it actually um, has a, a some cool World War II history in it as well. But I did. I first I thought he did it on purpose. I was like, you that. <laughs> you did that on purpose. I know you did, <laughs> you know, what's, what's up with that? You know, so, uh, well, guys, um, if you want to show a couple more things before we go, Jay, I got, I got one more. Okay. And then, uh, and then you know, if, uh, if, if Robert's got anything to say about, uh, um, you know, Japanese tattooing or anything. Yeah. Like that, you know. 
anecdotes that you got, you know, I think it'd be cool putting him on the spot. <laughs> but uh, this piece right here, um, I have to show because it's one of the old man's uh, nice. one of RJ's uh, uh, pieces from back when he had Denver Tattooing Company in Denver, uh, Colorado. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've always noticed uh, uh, over the years in, in collecting and whatnot, and I'm sure you have too, is that uh, um, tattoo artists are the biggest plagiarists in the world. <laughs> and yeah. so you'll see tattoo designs that have been redrawn or rechanged or whatever mm -hmm. uh, by one artist or another. So um, this is one of the sheets that the old man did and he redrew. Well, um, later on, uh, Mr. G um, from Triangle Tattoo Museum saw this design and he said, I got a stencil for it. So he sent me this stencil and it wasn't, the old man did not cut that stencil, but it's the same design. So I guess I got that one out because um, it's kind of fun because I always say that the tattoo artists are the biggest plagiarist <laughs> in the world because, you know, uh, traditionally over time, you see the same eagle by 20 yeah. different people, you know, you see yeah. the same dragons and whatnot. So they're reimagined or whatever, but they're still inspired by another guy's flash and and may that be uh, quite possibly because people sent uh, stencil rubbings and whatnot back and forth uh, through the mail since there was no social media like there is today and now we're sure. real uh, yeah there's you know today you can send an image to somebody just like that but uh, um, you know that's just one of my thoughts why why that is the way it is I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the deal was is they yeah. is they uh, um, that they they, they you know somebody sent them an eagle and then they redid that in their own style and then somebody saw that one and then redid yep. it in their own style and then so forth and so on and then we have the the eagles that we have today that are even more you know just added on to so they're a little more new school and whatnot so um steroids. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eagles on steroids yeah, yeah exactly the the last one i had to get out and it was just because i was talking about earlier i started out with a spalding supreme and I recently got this machine. Um, God, I believe I got it from Danny Fowler, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I had to piece a couple of extra parts together, but um, it's a it's a an early '60s model um, Spalding and Rogers uh, lightweight. Um, like I said, I started out on one of those. Of course, mine wasn't. Mine was an '86, so it didn't look anything like this old dog. But uh, this one works. Tattoos. Um, the capacitor is not of, of, of the time period. Uh, of course, that's an aftermarket deal. But um, I guess uh, one thing I, I have a, a, a pretty decent sized collection of uh, Spalding and Rogers machines, and it's uh, kind of because uh, you know I think sometimes they're 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 overlooked. Um, they're the oldest tattoo supply, running tattoo supply company in the in the world. But uh, how many tattoo artists got their starts with uh, Spalding Supreme or a set of Pumas or whatever? Uh, it's almost, uh, 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 Spalding is almost, uh, uh, or Spalding and Rogers has almost been uh, a stepping stone for quite a few artists over the years. So kind of one of the last little things, cause I couldn't pull out the whole collection, but I've, you know, over the years I've tried to get one of each and then one of each era. I have that with Supremes and, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm constantly, you know, seeking out that last era that I need, <laughs> Supremes. And I need the engraved one, but, you know, they still make those. And uh, one will come along, somebody will have one and, and want to sell it for the right price. But you never know now, the, nowadays things are, you know, getting um, 
incredibly expensive. I never thought that a, uh, a Spalding Supreme flat side uh, would fetch five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Because uh, yeah. in the 90s, we used to buy them off of scratchers for 20 bucks <laughs> so that they yeah. could go get, you know, a bottle of liquor or a snort or whatever the hell it is that they wanted to go and get, but uh, and just throw them in a bucket. You know, and now it's like people are just, oh, that's a flat side. Oh, my God. You know, so yeah. uh, I even have people try to beg them off of me. And I'm like, nope, I'm not selling. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not a big seller. I, I, I'll i buy, but I, I don't like to sell. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd be curious to know how many copies of his Spalding Rogers and a tattoo book are out there. Oh, the how-to, the yeah. A to Z. Actually, and that's one I don't have in my library that... Uh, that I've, I've been looking to get, but I don't want one of the new reprints. I want one of the old beat up tattered versions so that you know that it's been used. Be even I, cooler I if somebody circled, circled stuff and whatnot, underlined, yeah. you know, just for, just for posterity's sake. I do have a stack of their old catalogs and uh, I have one catalog that's just the, um, that's just the, uh, the flash catalog, right? And so, it's really funny because I don't remember where the source was, who gave it to me or where, where what I bought it with a lot of stuff or whatever, but there's a bunch of little squares cut out of it. And through uh -huh. all, so somebody cut out different sizes of the flash sheets and you probably remember this and then went down to Kinko's and blew them up blew as big up. as they were legible. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of, I kind of like it, you know, because it, every time I flip through that one, I go, Oh yeah, yeah, little tiny tiny, <laughs> but people blow them up. I remember a shop I went into in Missouri one time, and they had those blown up, and they had uh, which were a little clear, and then they had the 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 tattoo brand ones, the color ones, eight and a half by eleven. They're all blurry. Uh, it was horrible. I walked in, and the guy he'd been meaning to get me to his tattoo shop forever, and I walked in, and he had an ashtray with a burning cigarette in the ashtray, and. Uh, I walked up the stairs and the place smelled like beer. He had an open beer can on the table and he said, Hey man, good to see you. I'm glad you came by. And he reached over and grabbed the cigarette gloved hand out of the ashtray and took a big old hit and set that puppy back down, offered me a beer. I kind of hung out for a few minutes, didn't have the beer. And I said, well, thanks, man. We, we got to get on to St. Louis. <laughs> we got a concert that we got to get to, which was true. But I, I, I was like, I was in shock. I was, I was in shock. I was just like, oh my God, people are still doing this. Yeah. But it was early in the, you know, I was an APT member and I was pretty, you know, it was at that time period where everybody kind of made the, the switch over yeah. to being clean <laughs> as opposed to, <laughs> you know, the old ways. As opposed um, to not. But I remember yeah. having an ashtray in my station that, you know, yeah. I'd smoke a cigarette in between uh, uh, clients and stuff, but I never had one burning in the, in the, uh, uh, in the uh, ashtray, that was just never a thing. Although the, I sent you pictures of the uh, uh, tattoo shop display that yeah. we have here, and we were gonna do this there, but unfortunately everybody was tattooing and everything and figured there'd be so much noise that it just wouldn't even be uh, possible. So we came up here and uh, into my station. But my daughter says, what we need to do is get us an old crystal ashtray and put it on the thing. And then uh, she said, we, it, it, I don't know how we would do it. It'd be kind of nasty. We would put out a bunch of put out cigarettes in there. And I said, well, just, we'll just rip off some cigarettes and crunch them down and all that, put them in there. And I said, and then take a cigarette, a full size cigarette and, and take some red marker around the end of it and put it in the ashtray. Like it was sitting there smoldering. 
you know, as it goes, because we've got a bucket and a, a sponge and she's going to put this acrylic in it so that it looks like it's got water in it, and, you know, nasty old water, and, nice. and a, kind of a fun thing, but okay. yes. And we're actually, and she's found one. She found a Lysol bottle from like the thirties. Yeah. I have an old green soap bottle in there that's from the twenties. And so she's tried, she tried to find it and she's found one on eBay. Uh, that's from that time period. So we're going to put a Lysol bottle in there. Yeah, I want to find an old Listerine bottle too for the inks, right? Listerine. Yep, yep, so it'd yep. be neat to find one of those too. Yep. So uh, that's some fun stuff, you know. We try to come up with this, uh, you know, different fun things uh, to do around here, you know. So I don't know. It's a constant ongoing project. <laughs> All museums are. Yeah, yeah no <laughs> doubt. Well, I'll tell you what, Jay and Rob, it's been a real great uh, time having you guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys showing up and telling stories and sharing some stories. And uh, if you guys want, maybe we'll do this again sometime. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe do an art show or something. Maybe do some Japanese paintings or drawings and have you do a however. And maybe do a show, not a show, but like a, a seminar on showing something small, medium, or whatever scale you'd like to do. I'll talk to Guy and the Reinventing the Tattoo team mm -hmm. and see if possibly uh, you'd like to do something like that. Because, I, I I mean, the, the work you do is, holy shit, man. I mean, amazing. And I'm going to be showing Guy. I'm sure they've already seen it. But I'm going to talk to them because I'd really like to see if you could maybe uh, come on the show with us and maybe do a do a maybe Japanese paint night or something. Oh, I'd love to. We can figure okay. out how to do the camera. And, uh, uh, you know, about, about Tabor, I'd, if you got time for one comment. Absolutely. Uh, one of, well, there's two things that I really enjoy about it. First is, is the fact you have to draw the design directly on the person. Uh, stencils al almost never work, uh, partly because you're covering such a large area. And uh, you get very close to the design when you've drawn it directly on a person. Right, and right. it always fits perfect when you do that. In fact, I do that 99% of the time now. And second is the process of doing a Tabori tattoo is a, a very intimate experience. Uh, it's, it's rather like carving wood, actually, because you can really feel the skin and, and appreciate exactly what you're doing. And you, and you have a tremendous amount of control. I mean, once you get familiar enough with the tools to have any control at all. Right. The tools are crazy. The oh, tools yeah. are interesting. I was asking you about the, the stacks on those the other day. Would yeah. you say that needle configuration? But uh, the one with 56 needles? Was that one that you were using? <laughs> yeah. Was that, that was on my daughter, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. 56 needles yeah. huh and he wow. builds them he builds them himself so i mean well you have to but i mean that's yeah. just amazing yeah they're they're, they're like a, a triple stack mag and, and the needles are actually skewed a little bit so they overlap at an angle that's really cool front, and uh uh dual, every tattooer that i've ever heard of that's done to to worry we all have a different way of actually assembling the tool because uh, well, because there's nowhere you can go to learn it, I suppose. Unless unless you're related to Horiyoshi. Yeah, right, right. But but otherwise, you've got to just figure it out. <laughs> well, that's no, amazing. You've done a good job at that, for sure. <laughs> for uh, sure. There's quite a bit of experimenting yeah. over the years. Uh, 
but it's it's thrilling. Yeah, it, it, it's really it is to watch. Uh, it for me, it's doing it almost full time this late in my life. It's it's like a confirmation or a, a validation of the past forty three years. Amazing, dude! Absolutely yeah. kick ass. Well, man, I'm super. I'm super glad you came, Rob, and I'm glad you invited you him, Jay. Yeah, uh, he was a, yeah. when you said to invite somebody, he was the first person that popped to mind. It yeah, isn't just because awesome. he works here. <laughs> that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, that talent is just mind blowing. So yeah, I'm gonna talk to the team and maybe we'll get us a nice paint jam night set up and everything like that, and we'll you know do a nice little paint jam and have a great time. We've both got really nice. Um, That'd be a blast. We both yeah. have really nice uh, uh, cameras if we can figure out how to. How yes. to time, yeah, how to focus them and tie them in. We both got well, Canon T7, so we can, you know, okay. do video. And I think we could plug it into the computer. And yeah, do we'll a do a couple. Yeah, if you want, and then we'll what do you guys do trials. is live. Yeah, we do yeah. some live stuff. We'll do a couple trial things. This here is actually going live throughout the world. So people that are tuned in with the app, Green Bend Live Tattoo app, they can watch it live on there. And there's also a forum on YouTube and Tattoo Television and other places where they can watch it. But yeah, it's pretty pretty, pretty much live. And uh, yeah, I'm going to talk to them. We'll get this Paint Jam thing signed, out, signed up and get us a date for it and everything like that. But I want to thank you guys once again. Thank you. This is Robert with Tent Talk. I appreciate you guys for showing up, man. Y'all have a good night. You too. Good night, right, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everybody, again for watching. We appreciate this. It was awesome. Um, a lot of great information. So um, if you would like to rewatch and see some of those images again, that will be in our library in the Reinventing the Tattoo community. All right. It was awesome, everybody, and have a great night. Thank you. you